Thanks for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Right, well, good morning. <laughs> we're speaking, um, we're, we're going through a series on Colossians, and you'll probably remember Richard kick-started it. Richard is the elder at, um, who's meeting at the North School um, with an overview of Colossians. And then Barney came and shared with us last week from Colossians 2 about getting rooted and grounded in Jesus. And this week, we're jumping to the end of chapter 3. Now, we're jumping to the end of chapter 3 because there was a mix-up with the, with the dates of who was speaking when. So you should have had the beginning of Colossians 3 this week, but you've got the end, so you'll get the beginning next week. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you who messed up the dates because we have a culture of honour in this church. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. Um, so last week, as I said, Barney spoke from Colossians 2 about being stuck into Jesus. And uh, thank you to Debbie who did the slides for me. With the main emphasis being on verse 6 of chapter 2 in Colossians, being rooted and grounded in him. So then, as you received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. With the storm last weekend, I came down on Monday morning and I went, something wrong here. Looked in the garden, something wrong here. And it took me a few minutes to realize one of our trees had come over. It was a fir tree and it went about 15 feet. Um, It was quite tall. But when we looked at the root, they were really shallow. And we need to put our roots down into Jesus. And this is why we um, listen to the preaching each week and we hopefully read our Bible and listen to Jesus every day. So today's talk from chapter 3 shows how this is outworked in our relationships with each other. I think you saw the the title is um, Relationships Honouring God in Every Sphere of Life. So this week is how being stuck into Jesus helps that flow out of managing our relationships. And the important thing is that those of us who are Christians, when we know our identity as his children, the first part of chapter 3 exhorts us to put off what is wrong in our lives. So that's things like impurity, lust, greed, filthy language, slander, rage. There's quite a long list in Colossians. But um, we're exhorted by Paul that we put off that by the grace of God, we make a decision, I am not going to live like that anymore. I am not going to continue with this anger that I've got in my life. I'm not going to continue with this greed or lust or filthy language. By the grace of God, I'm going to stop it. And everything to help us to grow in God, we have to make that decision that we are going to move on. You can't just say, oh, please, God, stop me swearing. You make that decision. No, God, I'm going to stop doing that. Please help me. And yes, he will come alongside you and help you. But it's like, we do it. And then we clothe ourselves with what is right. So compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. And it's because we're rooted in him that we can do those things. So today, as I said, we're going to read from Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. And now you'll know why um, Tim put a different slide up a little while ago. Because the first line is, 
Wives, <laughs> submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. I thought, oh, thank you, Barney, for giving me this passage. Um, trust me to get this one. But, you know, this passage talks about wives, husbands, children, workers. So whether you are widowed, divorced, single, old, young, male, female, there's something in this passage for you. Okay. So wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your early masters, earthly, sorry, earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. That's pretty good, isn't it? Get a reward and all. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves or your workers with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. So we're reading this, as I said, in the context of being rooted in him, in the context of putting off our earthly nature, whatever sins are most prevalent to you. I think most of us tend to find that we angle towards one thing more than another. I was shocked when I was about seven or eight to hear my mother saying to somebody, Susan's such a truthful little girl. I thought she doesn't know me. <laughs> I was a little liar. I was always getting my sisters into trouble. Um, because I was the youngest, I got away with it. You know, but you know the things that you are most drawn to and what you need to deal with in your life. Another scripture, um, as well as exhorting us to put on compassion and kindness and humility, exhorts us to find out what pleases the Lord. That's in Ephesians 5, if you want it. If you're living close to Jesus, the outworking of your relationship with Jesus follows on with your relationship with others. So you don't have to look at this sort of passage and think, oh, I can't reach that. It's because of your being rooted in Jesus that you can work out your relationships. And this is all based on God the Father and God the Son's relationship. This is an excellent book by a guy called Michael Reeve, called The Good God. So I'm quoting a bit from there now. But he talks about how God the Father and the Son's relationship, while the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father, there is a very definite shape to their relationship. Overall, the Father is the lover, the Son is the beloved. The Father's love is primary. That sort of comes first. I know that God comes from eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but this is a unique and mysterious relationship. And he says, he is the loving head, the Father. That means in his love, he sends and directs the Son, whereas the Son never sends or directs the Father. Well, I'd never seen that before. But it's quite an eye-opener, isn't it? But it's usually significant because I, I'm sure most of you will be familiar with the passage in 1 Corinthians 11 where 
It says, I want you to realise the head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman is man, the head of Christ is God. And Michael Reeves says, in other words, the shape of the, the father-son relationship starts a glorious cascade of love. <laughs> so it starts with the father, and as the father is the lover and the head of the son, so the son is the lover and the head of the church. And you know what it says in 1 John 4, that we love him because he first loved us. So it's not like, oh, we've got to try and earn his love. No, we are just unconditionally loved. And this is meant to be, in marriage, that is meant to be a representation of Christ and the church. That a wife doesn't have to go cringing round earning her husband's love but that he loves her first, unconditionally. Now, if you've got a husband like that, you're very lucky. I have. <laughs> I'm very thankful for my husband. But we're going to talk now um, about wives. Thank you, Tim. You gave him a preview of that slide. <laughs> if you receive unconditional love from your husband, it won't be a struggle to love him back. It's like Jesus and the church. He loves us. It's not a struggle to love him back because we know how much he's done for us. And that puts a whole different perspective on this line, wives, submit to your husband. Now, Graham and I sorted this out when we were engaged. I, I was determined I wanted to please the Lord in my marriage, as in every other area. And I'm like, yes, I'll submit to you. And I said it in my wedding vows. I love something, cherish, obey. And I was quite happy to say that. But we didn't really know what it meant. And it took us a couple of stormy years to work out what it really meant. You know, and submitting to your husband, is it pleasing to God? Well, I don't see anywhere in scripture that this verse has ever been rescinded or elsewhere. I say it is a picture of Jesus and the church. It doesn't mean I was worth less than Graham. And I always look at it like every business or company has to have an order to make it work properly, and this is God's order. But I didn't realise that it didn't mean I had to be a doormat, you know, and he just walked all over me. <laughs> and neither did it mean that he was domineering and he was telling me what to do all the time. And outworking that can be quite difficult at times. I had to learn to have my own opinions but not be overbearing with them. It didn't mean that um, Graham was harsh to me. And we had to work out how to discuss things without belittling each other, without having a slanging match, or without going cold on each other. And you know, love does not insist on its own way. That means you listen to each other. Neither acts like a victim or a doormat, and neither acts in a domineering way. So if you'd like to stand up, would you like to just drag me over there? <laughs> it's not about him dragging me along, and it's not about me going, huh, I'm not, I'm not having that, and, and walking away and damaging the marriage and creating a gap between us. It's more about, stand up. <laughs> please, please, dear. <laughs> You know, we've got a decision to make. We look at each other. We talk to each other. <laughs> we pray together. 
look up together. We do. Then we listen to each other some more. We do. Thank <laughs> we used to go to, I haven't got this in my notes, we, when we were really having a, a difficulty over something, we discovered the best thing to do was not to have the row at home. One thing, I couldn't show my, throw my shoes at him if I was out the house, which I got quite good at, especially stilettos. <laughs> to his pain once or twice. So Graham said, let's go out and talk about this over a coffee. So we'd go to a little pub where it had um, a room with just two chairs and it's sort of a little door each side. And by the time we got there, I usually had mascara all down my face and the barman would look at us and think, oh, golly, not these two again. And we'd order two cups of coffee and then we would talk over the coffee. But, you know, it stopped us slanging at each other. And it's just a little tip, actually. You know, if you're struggling with something between you, go somewhere else and chat about it. Don't do it at home. Just get out for 10 minutes and have a little walk or something. And that was a real help to us in learning this difficult pattern in marriage. I'm not going to go on this in great length. Um, you know, the, I think what the thing there is that communication is so important. And again, that if... If you are loved, it's easy to submit. And there comes a point, you know, I was thinking um, a series we watch um, on, on justice. Sometimes you have a boardroom where there's six people for something and six people against. But somebody has to make the deciding vote. And we, we decided early on in our marriage, if somebody has to make the deciding vote, then it was Graham. And if he got it wrong, I still say, okay, I back you because that way you've still got a marriage. And he'd say, I'm sorry, we got it wrong. I said, well, that's okay. I said, I'd back you. So we're in it together. That's fine. <laughs> it works. So God's way works. So now we come on to husbands. See, I didn't put an exclamation mark with this one. The scripture says, husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. And we've already seen that, you know, it says in another scripture in Ephesians 5, it says, Husbands should love their wives as Christ loves the church. And I actually think that's a harder thing to do than to submit. <laughs> I think it's a pretty hard deal because that means laying your life down for your wife. And I just want to encourage you guys, you know, it's a pretty tall order. Um, but when you lay your life down as Christ loved the church, you'll find that it excites that love back from your wife. Um, because you can't help loving somebody back who keeps loving you and being creative with their love. I remember, you know, like we've just had Valentine's Day. When we were married, we got less than two pennies to rub together because we got debt. <laughs> but Graham would show his love to me by, he would bring, he would buy one rose or one carnation, you know, which was about 50p, which was a lot of money in those days. <laughs> but he would, he would show his love in the little ways. It didn't have to be anything lavish, but that was lavish enough. And sometimes, you know, um, I might think Graham is being harsh to me, but actual fact he isn't. I've just misunderstood it. And how often do you say something and it comes out wrong? And you think, oh, I didn't mean it to sound like that. And you, you can think the other one is being harsh when actually they're not, you've just not stopped to listen to each other properly. So, again, communication is so important between husbands and wives. And Graham's noticed now that if I get a bit uppity, I get what he calls a bit feisty sometimes, and I'm a bit mm, on my high horse, um, it's usually because I don't feel loved. 
there's something I'm feeling that he's ignoring me, that he's, he's, there's something not right there. And he will go out of his way there to say, what's the problem? We, we, I, I love you <laughs> as a starting point. So let's go on to slide, uh, next slide, children. Now, I thought at first, oh, the children have gone out, so I needn't do this bit. Um, but then I realised that we can make it hard or easy for our children to be obedient to us. It says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And the next verse says, fathers, don't embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. I think this applies to mums and dads, but particularly, as it says, to fathers, because the father sets the tone in the family. So God is a good father. So to be good parents, how should we be? God the Father is never absent with us, is he? He's always available. If your children tug at you, do you remember when they're little and they tug on your leg? <laughs> and sometimes you realise you've got a small child on your leg and it's not yours because they they've got the wrong one. <laughs> because all they see is the leg. <laughs> um, but they tug at you for a question. Do you just shrug them off and say, I'm talking to so-and-so or I'm on the phone? Or do you go, I'll be with you in a minute. You know, how do you treat your children? Are you accessible to them? You know, God's not passive with us. He doesn't ignore us. I mean, how would you feel if you prayed and you thought God was ignoring you? You wouldn't bother, would you? God never makes us feel we don't matter. And he never abuses us. He never tells us we're stupid, does he? He never says, you're no good. You're a failure. You're stupid. How awful you are. And yet I bet there are people in this room who've been told that by the parents. And years gone by and we have to make sure that we don't do that. You might say, that was a stupid thing you did, wasn't it? <laughs> but he'd have a, And God will tell us when we do things wrong, won't he? And a good father will tell their children when they've done something wrong. But that's a different way of doing it. He doesn't love us only when we perform well. You know, how many people as well have suffered under parents who they only get, like, loved and a hug or good when they've done everything right. You know, God loves us because he loves us because he loves us. Because he loves us. <laughs> because we're his children and he loves us. And he doesn't wait for us to get it all right. He loves us anyway. And um, an author called Mike Bickle, who's quite well known, he said, the greatest need of any Christian is to know they're enjoyed by their Heavenly Father. And the greatest need of any child is to know they're enjoyed by their parents, that you love them, you love them, you love them. However far away they stray, they need to know they're loved. You know, if they turn their back on you, they go to the end of the world like the prodigal son who went as far away as he could, he was still loved. And he, ca he could come back, I think, because he knew he was loved. And God is not overbearing or authoritarian with us. It says if you embitter your children, they'll become discouraged. Now, let's not embitter our children. Um, it applies to, I've got grandchildren now as well. And I think it applies to them too, that we, we care. And we care for one another's children when we're, um, you know, with the families around. We watch out for one another and one another's families. So now we come on to slaves, and I've called this workers because um, that's a bit more <laughs> how it is nowadays. Obey your earthly masters in everything, 
not just when their eye is on you. So what are you like in your workplace? Do you try and win favour behind people's backs? Do you do as little as you can get away with? Do you gossip? Do you speak ill of your boss to others? I think it's particularly difficult if you've got a hard boss. I had a very difficult boss with the job I had when I moved here. I was up on the 11th floor of International House, right in the middle of Ashford, so I could see all around Ashford, which was wonderful because we were church planting here. But I had a very difficult boss for my first one. She was harsh with everyone. She was rude. She was unkind. She was a stickler for hard work, which that's fine. But she pulled people down in front of others, often reducing them to tears. Someone in my team took out a grievance against her, and I thought, I don't know if that's the best way to handle this. But we used to have these one-to-one supervision times, which I expect some of you get in your work. And I was really nervous about having these with her. And, and one day, I'd really done the best I could with something, and she tore a strip off me. And with tears in my eyes, I found myself confronting her. I said, asked her why she made it so hard for everybody when most of us were doing our best. And I told her we needed support and encouragement and not pulling to pieces. She went very quiet. And she thanked me for being honest with her. She became bearable after that. She started treating people in the team with more respect. I always got on with her like a house on fire after that. And people looked at us sort of like, weird, how can you talk to her like that? And we know what she's like. But God actually used her to show me that I could confront things that were wrong when I needed to. You know, and confronting isn't an easy thing to do. But sometimes, even if it's a boss, you can confront. And I think that time, by the grace of God, I got it the right way. Um, we, we have to forgive those who trample on us at work as well as our other places. And we can judge other people out of our pain, not knowing what pain they're going through. And, you know, you, you can often think, you, you don't know what, what's happening in their life. But if we're rooted and grounded in love, if we're rooted and grounded in Jesus, we can forgive from our heart and we can work out how to move on. It's a bit like that. You can look at, this is just brief, leadership in the church. Um, you know, suppose you've got a vision, you know, you've got a yearning to do something in church and you think the leaders aren't letting you. Well, perhaps you need to go and talk through with them why. <laughs> perhaps you've said that you want to run a small group for deep sea diving. <laughs> and they're thinking, this doesn't fit in with the church's vision. You know, that, it just doesn't work. But in talking it through, you, they might find out, actually, you love teaching and you love swimming. And perhaps what you could do is set up a group to teach people to swim who can't afford it. You know, there might be some other aspect to what you feel you want to do in church life that you just haven't thought of, and you just need to go and talk it through and find the way through. Or it might be that you want to preach and teach, but your lifestyle doesn't reflect the gospel. Well, then nobody's going to let you <laughs> hold a microphone if, you know, if, if your lifestyle doesn't generally reflect the gospel because we want to exemplify what Jesus has done in us. And love doesn't insist on its own way. And I think that's such a key verse. So we have to remember what Paul is saying about all of our relationships. It's the Lord Christ that we are serving. It's, it's, not, it's not all about me. It's all about Jesus first and one another. 
as Graham's been saying, he, he woke this morning wanting to like, thinking one anothering is so important in this church. And whether it's husbands, wives, family, children, other people in church, leaders, work colleagues, bosses, whoever God's brought into our lives, we serve them for him. It's all about him. You know, we don't have to worry about us. It's all about him, isn't it? We put him first. The rest lots into place. You know he loves you. He'll look after you. So live for him. Put him first and care for other people as if they were Jesus. The time's gone, so I'd just like to take a moment of quiet. If you'd just like to sit and close your eyes and just have a think about your relationship with other people. Have you been a hard or unloving husband or wife? Do you ignore your children? Are you lazy at work? Do you let people trample on you and live a poor old me syndrome with a victim mentality? Are you domineering? Are you living in unforgiveness? Just let the Holy Spirit search your heart for a moment. Father, I just want to thank you that everything is grounded in you, Jesus. As we give ourselves afresh to you, that you help us to relate to one another. And Father, I pray where that you have brought any conviction or any awareness of change that needs to come, that you would help people to put into place what they need to do to change their relationships. Father, I pray that we would all be open to taking action so that your life flows through us more freely. In Jesus' name.